don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds, we give up all our freedoms because of convenience. We sat down with Omar Latif from We Are Asif, a mental health-oriented tech startup, which is one of the few companies these days using artificial intelligence for good. He's worked in Silicon Valley in the past and is now applying what he's seen and learned to a PhD in AI as well as his company's work. Yes, we took a break from marketing for a change for a very, very techie podcast. We spoke to Omar all about the implications of AI and deepfakes on personal security, what a platform like Facebook can do with 300,000 Word documents worth of data, and why China still considers Silicon Valley to be lazy. Google had about four times more data than Facebook did of mine, but I wouldn't be as scared of Google as I am of Facebook. All this and more, coming up. How worried should we be about deepfakes and AI? We should be worried. <laughs> Is that the end of the show then? <laughs> yeah. How much? How much? To, to, what, yeah. to, what extent? Today. <laughs> um, to what extent? On, on the worried barometer. We should be petrified. Let's talk about deepfakes first. But I think before that, we have to realize where this has all come from. We made massive leaps in the tech world when neural networking came into prevalence. Neural networking is a type of machine learning. It's based on the brain, the nervous system. That happened around about 2008, 2009, and that's where we saw massive leaps within AI and what we could accomplish. And also then social media as well, the amount of data that could be harvested, they both align with one another. So from that point, we started to move very, very quickly. A good example would be like facial recognition. Uh, facial recognition before that, you would have to program a computer. But when neural networking came into fruition, it could learn for itself. So you'd input some data and it would train and teach itself rather than being, having to be trained by humans, meaning it became faster, it became better. Obviously, you had to still work on it. But yes, we should be really scared because it's a bigger question of what we're doing with our data. What sort of a society do we want to create? Deep fakes, it's a great metaphor for how are we creating and what are we creating as a society. 96% of deep fakes are for pornographic purposes purposes. Uh, and that comes from a research company called Deep Trace, who was set up just to investigate deep fakes. Mm. Uh, but 96% and 99% of them are using women's faces as well. I so. mean, that's that's sinister in itself. I mean, it seemed like deep fakes were a thing before they were a thing that people were like publicly aware of. And we've seen a few spring up on social, especially across election season. Mm -hmm. uh, it started to integrate into politics as well and very much be part of this whole misinformation situation that we've got ourselves into but I guess aside from like obviously interpreting someone else imitating someone else what are the more sinister consequences of deepfakes? Well it's not the more sinister of the actual deepfakes but it's what it creates mm -hmm. it creates a structure and a framework where we can just dismiss anything as a deepfake Donald Trump recently said the recording of him talking about touching a woman's was a fake. Amnesty International, they had been given a recording of soldiers executing civilians in Cameroon. The Cameroon minister dismissed it as a deep fake. So it's not just the deep fakes, it's the society and it's what we're creating where mm. a lie will be halfway around the world while the truth is getting out of bed. Mm. Funnily enough, 
That was accredited to Mark Twain in 1919. He actually died in 1910. So even that is a load of porkies. Wow. But that's it. We are creating this disinformation now and deep fakes are helping to do that. Mm, that's interesting because, yeah, like you said, even if it's a clip or a piece of audio that isn't fake, by creating something, by creating the option to fake something, you're giving people a sort of scapegoat for things that they don't want to admit to. Yeah. And I think that's the more dangerous thing from deep fakes. Real life examples of some of the troubles it's caused. It's not been reported loads by the Western media, but Gabon, the West African state. Deep fakes were used to aid a military coup. In Malaysia, there's a quite high profile politician who's facing jail because of deep fakes. Mm. So it's it's sort of real. And if you look at the statistics of 96% off of pornographic material, you can't believe anymore what you see with your own eyes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the whole 1984, you know, the last thing mm. that they did was mm. make yeah. you disbelieve the evidence you see with your ears and your eyes. Yeah. Omar, with a lot, with a lot of these technologies, there seems to be a starting point. There was an original reason why they were created. Can you trace deep fakes back to anything that wasn't so dishonest or is this literally just, uh, you know, people using the technology for wrongdoing? You know, was that always the aim, if you know what I mean? So deep fakes can be traced back to, I suppose, uh, the innovation purposes inside of technology in, I suppose, Hollywood and suppose technology. Let's see what we can do. Let's see how we can innovate. It was something which was used in a lot of academic work, uh, also for entertainment. But there was a massive shift. I think the turning point came in 2017 on Reddit, where a user who was actually called Deepfake, he started posting deepfakes of porn. Um, so he would just get celebrities' faces and put them onto porn stars. Mm. And that was when, that I think that was when the public became aware of Deepfakes mm. 2017. And from that, it's transcended into what it is now. But before that, it was academia and entertainment as well in the film industries and the creative industries. But that was the turning point. So, to be Reddit. Well, yeah. But, but I think... I mean, Reddit, you know, is, Reddit is literally a, a view into everything wrong with humans, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you say that? I'm quite interested, yeah. It, well, it's the echo chamber that you sort of create for yourself. Yeah, Reddit can be great. There's some great mm -hmm. stuff in there for mental health. There's some great stuff which we've been involved in doing research in Reddit. But it is appearing to it's just the so dark, deep, sinister side. I mean, Lots I think it's the hide. next, the dark web is the next stage after mm -hmm. Reddit. Um, but yeah, it's the anonymity of it. It's the threads in there. I mean, it's also, as you say, you, you think it's great. I think it is great. I mean, it's, it's massive for the for techies mm -hmm. like, like myself. But there is the sinister element that's of it. Because mm -hmm. we as people are also sinister yeah. and have that sinister side to us. So, so that's where it started. And you say once it became sort of mainstream for pornography, that's when people mostly became aware of it. But, you know, along this line of discussion what always interests me is the fact that we hear so much about how our data is being used which is probably part of us that knows that it's not great and we probably are giving away too much and yet where people should be scared we aren't that we're apathetic still why do you think that is it's the age-old question until something's at your door you don't care until it actually affects you you don't care until mm. you've had your details stolen and your cards cloned or somebody's taken a mortgage out in your name you don't care yeah we all think oh we've got nothing to hide. Well, yes, we might not have anything to hide, but another cause of deep fakes is social engineering. Another case was a German energy company, the head of the UK subsidiary, a deep fake was used of, it, of the CEO. And long story short, that guy then transferred 200 grand to a Hungarian bank account. Oh and it was because of a deep fake that he thought he was speaking to the CEO of the company. And he wasn't. We're living in a world where cybersecurity is everything. Deep fakes allow people to social engineer certain information, audio, 
video clips, etc., giving you access to, you know, potentially your servers, potentially your intranet, mm. your banks. It's sort of like identity theft for the modern age, a very it, dystopian it is. version. If, if voice recognition-wise, you can clone someone's voice and get them to say anything. Mm. You know, it's not necessarily what we see now. It's it's that it's the cybersecurity element yeah. of it, which is massive. There was the hack of a UK of a US government website as retaliation for the the bombing that Donald Trump did. Yeah, of course. So I mean, it wasn't a state-sponsored one, as you could tell, because it was quite. Um, it it wouldn't be done so quickly. But that was done through social engineering. So it looks like they social engineered someone's details and possibly used certain material, certain tech like this, yeah. in order to change the website. And this is another massive, massive fear yeah. about deep fakes. It's not just necessarily what's happening; it's what we can do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned its uses by the military, and I guess if it's in like a distant country far away, most people won't consider that on their doorstep. Mm. So that's maybe why we don't feel as effective by it. But when you look at it, it really is extremely dangerous that it would have connections to government and military. Yeah, that's, that's I'm, pretty serious. We just look at the funny side of it. We just look at Donald Trump, you know, being deep faked, or you know, Barack Obama saying any a bit of a moron, we, and we think yeah. it's funny. But when we actually dig deep, we realise it's really sinister. I mean, this is it though. It's it's power, isn't it? If you're in control of, of the best technology, you're you're in control of people, aren't you? Mm. But this is this is actually what I want to put to you, Omar, because in some respects, there are areas of uh, tech that I suppose you could say are trivialising deep fakes. Snapchat is a perfect example. I think before Christmas, so you know, a few months ago, mm-hmm. they uh, launched a new kind of, I believe it was like a Bitmoji kind of product. I don't think it was Bitmoji actually. It was just a sort of I can't for heavens remember the name of it but it cameos. was a cameos exactly it was a feature whereby you could you know seemingly create your own deep fakes I could put myself into kind of a scene where you know I don't know I'm a taxi driver or something and I'm picking a friend up and it's all like this kind of deep fake animated things almost like music videos mm. you know like hyper realistic sort of things and then you've got stuff like you know the face app you know so we can make ourselves go old so while it seems that in some respects it's very dangerous you know keep away the other respects it's, it's like we're trivializing it we're making fun of it you know it's, it's almost become a content stream in itself mm. Mm. what what do you make of that because this this seems to happen again and again and again mm. well there are some good uses out of it but you've just got to weigh up i mean do i want to see tupac in concert uh via ai or do i want to see my data sold to the next person who's going mm. to them manipulate it. It's that with anything, you can use it for good, you can use it for bad. I mean, that that is trivial stuff, but it's it's a question asked, should, should we have uh, toy guns? Because does, does that not trivialise yeah. war? But personally, do you approve of tech companies and social media platforms trivialising that technology and making it fun and shiny for a commercial game when there are so many darker consequences? Do you know, I, I don't think there's a problem with the trivialization of something like that, but people need to listen to the voices about what is happening to your data. Yeah, I mean, I, I've spoken about FaceApp. I've spoken about how I told all my friends, this is what's happening, blah, 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 blah. The next month, they've all got the FaceApp, mm-hmm. haven't they? They're all doing that. But it's not yeah. until people actually see what's actually happening to their data, who it's being sold to, how it's being used. Mm-hmm. We've had examples over here with King's Cross and Trafford Center, how they were using facial recognition software. Yes, we are trivializing certain aspects of technology because certain aspects are fun and were created for that but we've got to also look at the sinister side and we've got to be aware and we've got mm. to do more things like this and talk about it uh, so you know it's great being able to talk about certain sinister they yeah. seem they seem concepts. inextricably linked though don't they it seems like you know the more and more you think about it is face up a cover mm. for something more well, I was, sinister I was going to ask like there was a lot of sort of buzz around face up because there was a few people who knew they had a bad reputation for looking after the data that they received mm. um, 
Um, so a lot of people were sort of ringing alarm bells and saying, okay, maybe don't use it because data bad. And that's like about all the information that was out there. So, mm. I mean, to your knowledge, what exactly were they doing? They've got 300 million people's facial recognition patterns and geometry. So you can take from that what you want, 300 and like million with, people. with the rights that like you would give away by using the app, say they had your facial information, what are the options? What could they then do with that? Whatever they want. And literally whatever they want so to I do. Could they could sell it. on like a Russian display ad for porn you on could. some random website no, if they no, had my you, face. You, you honestly really could. You, you really could. This is another problem. Legislation is not quick enough to keep up to date with the innovations. Mm. The EU are looking at banning facial recognition in public places. Brilliant. Because the line is always it's for our security. Trafford Centre, they said it's for a couple of missing people. Yeah. People who've gone missing from homes. Just think about that. The socioeconomic scale of they're looking for people from mm. missing homes to deploy this technology, which costs this amount of money. Yeah. And then the criminal side of it. If I was a high profile criminal, I wouldn't be going to the Trafford Centre. Mm. It seems like a very, to me, PR friendly, a very smart way, though, of taking something quite dangerous and making it palatable for people. So I remember um, maybe two years ago now, there was a story about Facebook's facial recognition. And someone made the point, if that had been around 10 years ago, we could have used that software to find missing children like Madeleine McCann, obviously a really high profile case. And I think that sort of pulled on the heartstrings of a lot of people. Are they doing that intentionally to say, like, even though it might not be the most common use for it, are they doing it on purpose to make it, like, palatable? Yeah, I mean, you use emotive language. You you give people examples which pull on the heartstrings. People are going to side with you. The reality of it is, do they have enough uh, security cameras, CCTV, that that would actually happen? Yeah. The truth is no. So it doesn't matter if that technology was around then, she would not have been found because of that. I mean, in England, we have more CCTV per person than any place in the world. So possibly over here, but you know, let's not get into the Madeleine yeah, McCann one. I was going to say that like, you need more logistics in place, but yeah. it's just interesting to me how like they package up different things and how people react based on what they've been told and not the evidence. It's the language that's used. Yeah. If you use emotive language, you're going to get more people on case. We, we've just had examples with the elections and with Brexit about the emotive language, yeah. which really stir those emotions. You will get more people on side when you do that rather than facts. Um, we live in a slightly anti-intellectual age at the moment where Michael Gove said that, you know, we're sick and tired of experts, you know, people who dedicate their life to this. Yes, we're sick and yeah. tired of what they have to say. And maybe we need to change that though when experts have like, like information like this that regards our safety. You can just make a deep fake though. You just make a deep fake of them saying something else. But there, but there I say, Omar, we're speaking about experts. You obviously belong to, you know, uh, the AI community. It must feel like at times that you're struggling to find a conscience in areas of that community and you sort of think, well, you know, is it the case that the landscape is you have some doing good and you have some doing bad and you know how can what is the kind of end game of that how, mm. how does the good outweigh the bad of all it's of this it's a very good question and it's very much multifaceted and multi-layered there are some integral part problems with the AI community one being a lot of AI researchers in essence quite arrogant so they think that the AI that they're working on or they're creating will never be as smart as them which is the first problem AI will be smarter than us it is in certain ways in certain examples it is already there but it's this line of innovation and actually being able to be part of actual real life um, problems and being able to be part of the solution but you might be part of the problem not 
not the solution, which is, mm. you know, it's the philosophical quandary of what we're doing. Yeah, is like, it a um, culture of shoot first, ask questions later often, do you think? With not really. Innovation or? It's not. It's people can be quite blinkered about what they're actually doing and what the repercussions are. People will do stuff because, you know what, this is really innovative. We'll come up with new models. We'll come up with some new patterns, some new neural networking, which will be able to solve this problem. But what is the actual cause going mm. to be of this problem? Mm. Are we yeah. going to be helping a database? That means that more people from uh, a background who are coloured receive higher sentences. Is this algorithm then going to mean that more people in Africa are going to be displaced so companies can mine resources? What are we actually doing? What's yeah. the end game? They're trying to be the first to do something, but maybe if something hasn't been done before, it's for a reason. That's our biggest problem as humans. So again, another philosophical digression here. But it's interesting. Yeah, though, no, no, but deciding. it's true. That, that's the problem. That's the AI race that we have at the moment with China, Russia, uh, and America. And it's quite interesting as well because Silicon Valley have obviously been quite innovative and headed up a lot of um, innovations. But when uh, when I worked out there, we'd have visitors from China come over and they were just shocked with how lazy people in Silicon Valley were, literally. And, you know, working start startup culture, as mm -hmm. you guys know, it's a hard slog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they came over and go, yeah, we literally sleep at the office and we don't leave. Yeah, the, you guys are lazy. Wow. And, you know, it's that which makes you realize how far ahead they will be. And also like Russia, yeah, because everything is state funded, uh, not only state funded, but all the companies are owned by the state as well. So you're not you're not buying a technology at 10 times the cost. Is that the difference then, that state-funded? I've, I've never actually well, it's, thought it's not, of that. that kind it's of... not just state-funded. It's, it's the brains, it's the population, uh, it's the access to resources, and then the money. The money's the big one. Mm -hmm. If everything in like, America and England is private, if a government wants it, somebody else wants it, there's a higher cost, meaning places like China and Russia can do a lot more for a lot less. Mm. It's the same with like the military, going off slightly tangent here, like submarine warfare, which is one of the most uh, important parts of Navy and sort of keeping us safe. Um, we spend the same amount of money as Russia, but everything that Russia spends on the companies that they're buying from are their state-owned companies, mm. meaning they're paying at like cost price. And that example is it's just prevalent with AI. It's the more money you have, the more resources you have, the more you're going to come out with better AI. Mm. I put a question to you before we started recording, and that was climate change or AI in the uh, road to Armageddon. And you said AI. Leave. Yeah. Um, I will say, however, I don't know enough about climate change to actually say that I've got empirical evidence that says that. But I would say for me, with what I know, yeah, AI, it's just scary. And we might not even know how AI takes over. But I think this decade is going to be one of the most important decades for us as as a species, do we come out of this? It just is. It's, I'd like it's to so... see AI used for good to reverse climate change or protect us from it. It's, it's interesting that, to me, it strikes me that I think where this conversation always goes to, in a way, is that we've all got an image of just a speeding train, and no matter how many hands you get onto it, and we've spoken about this before, you, mm. you're sort of saying, you know, we've made these technologies that, you know, people are sort of, you, you can't, you can no, they, they get to a point where you can no longer control it. It used mm. to be about the robots, and I remember mm. you saying, oh, I'll glaze over when you say mm. robot that people say, well, what if the robots take over? You know, it seems like obviously the problem's a lot deeper than that, isn't it? If the robots take over, that's because AI took over like 10 years beforehand. That's not the scary thing. That's the aftermath. That's literally the aftermath. This is... AI could potentially do a lot. It, without us knowing it could be in control of banks, it could be in control of climate, it could be in control of a lot. So it, I'll let you put this into context for, for a second because you also said, uh, you know, previously we were talking about sometimes you go to creative conferences and they say, oh yeah, well, you know, AI is good for for this side of the brain, but we'll never sort of, you know, replace creativity. But we were talking and you were saying that uh, AI is at a point now where it can outthink 
humans. Yeah. It's not just what you put into it. Just wonder if you can shed a bit of context on that. Oh, well, there's plenty of examples. I mean, uh, the AlphaGo project as well, uh, DeepMind. With Go, the most complex game that we know, it's like it said it's eight games of chess going on at one time. DeepMind created an algorithm which beat the world's best Go player. And then the next move it did, it beat the world's best 25 Go players simultaneously. Within the games with the world's best Go player, there was a move. When it was done, everyone thought that there'd been a mistake. But X amount of moves later, everybody realized, oh my God, this AI can think so far ahead of us. Mm. And that was a very significant turning point as well when we realized that we can actually start learning from AI. And this is it. I mean, the power of AI. When I try to just put how powerful it is into a nutshell or into simplistic terms, it can literally give us answers to questions we never knew to ask mm. or show us points of connections that we never knew existed. Because humans are so predictable. So we, we must are, be really yeah. easy to predict like our behavior and what's coming. But maybe we're not as good naturally at predicting behavior from a technology or from other people. We are so we can't habit. see that conclusion until it's put in front of us. Correct. We are creatures of habit. Not to talk about stuff that we're doing, but we're sort of, we're, we're making artificial intelligence that yeah. can actually do that as well because we are, majority of us, we are creatures of habit and pattern mm. uh, and we have a similar thought and there's patterns in what we do. It's the maths of what we do but then AI thinks completely differently at a level that we don't understand. Is it is it true then because someone once explained it, it to me as if like because AI requires human work and human input to function that it can't come up with things that have never been created before. So I think the example used was when we all used to travel by horse and carriage, if AI was in charge of optimizing that, they'd be able to make the most efficient horse and carriage ever, but they wouldn't have been able to make the jump from horse and carriage to the first automobile. That's a good example. However, it doesn't account for neural networking. Right. Where it, you can give it a problem and think of a solution that we never even thought possible. Okay. Because I think that's the part, the part that like myself included, like most people aren't clued up on. Yeah, I mean, um, AI is based on data sets, but when neural networking came into prevalence, it could take a little bit of data you could give it information and it would make up completely new information. Right. It make up completely new data using that. And you are 100% right until that period, which was 2008 sort of time. Right. And there's examples as well. I mean, there's examples of AI going bad. There's examples of, in China, uh, two separate AI programs learning to communicate with one another and they couldn't actually understand what they were communicating, so they both had to be shut down. There's examples, you know, in Twitter as well. That scares me. And, and this is it. I mean, it, we trivialize it and then terminate has got a lot to answer for because everyone just goes Skynet all the time. <laughs> um, bane of my life, that. But this is the scary thing about AI. I mean, there's so much good that we can do from it, um, but it's us as people wanting to control. And as humans, it's been whoever controls the resources controls. Whoever now controls the best technology controls it. Mm. And now it's starting to sound like the uh, plot of an Avengers movie where the mad scientist has got too much power. <laughs> yeah. He's drunk on it. But it, that's what it sounds like to most people. It's that sort of dystopian future and you think that's why people don't worry. They think, oh, it sounds like a movie. That's never going to happen. That's something someone would write. It's fiction. 1984. What's the line in 1984 about the last, the last act? Don't believe what you see with your ears and your eyes. Don't believe the evidence you see. That's where we are now aren't we? Mm. We can't believe anything we see because historically we could believe something we were being told because we believe that person actually said it. Whether that thing was true 
or a lie was a different matter. Mm. But now we can't even believe that. Yeah. But I mean, like, what is there to be done? Like Theo was saying before, it's like that train. Is it possible to stop or slow innovation when it gets going? There has to be some massive changes, legislation and education. Technology could be an answer. We could use technology in order to help fight this. Blockchain could be used. Mm. AI could even be used. There are companies now looking at creating software that can detect this. But it's another good example of just how quickly things change. Previously, you could really spot a deep fake because they didn't blink. It was simple. But then within six months, done. Deep mm. fakes, they could blink. That's how quickly things move. And that's how quickly legislation needs to be able to move. Yeah. There's nothing now that's we're legislated and we're protected. We've got GDPR, but GDPR can be worked around quite easily if you know what you're doing. Uh, and if you look at what's going on in America with them using deep fakes, not deep fakes, but them using facial recognition, mm. you see that 36 percent of facial recognition when it comes to people of color is incorrect yeah because the data sets you talk about legislation then and i guess regulation coming in something you touched on um, again before we started recording was facebook who recently came out and said they were going to ban deep fakes but you disagree no, it's not that I disagree. I have I'm evidence s- to the contrary. No, it's it's not evidence. It's if you actually look at what they're saying, they're going to ban. They're banning. Um, so there's deep fakes and then there's shallow fakes. So what they're actually doing is saying that they're banning deep fakes, but Facebook make money by people creating posts and then having you know, sponsoring these posts. Mm-hmm. They're not going to stop their biggest profit earner. Mm. What they said is that they're going to ban shallow fakes. Now, shallow fakes, uh, what's the best example of this? Recently, there was that journalist uh, who who was having a to and fro with Donald Trump oh, and Donald Trump said, yep, yeah, take the microphone off him. They used the shallow fake of that clip to speed up the movement of his arm when he put his arm on the intern. Um, the speeding up of the arm meant it looked like he was being violent when if you actually look at the clip, he wasn't. He was just like, you know, he's, he's being mm. very passive. Um, that's what they're actually banning. They're not going to ban lies because it makes them too much money. Yeah. They, Mark Zuckerberg openly said that people need to be able to assess the information for themselves. Yeah, he did. Recently, we've had that there's elections going on there. There have been paid campaigns within areas where the majority of people are people of color to say that this is when you need to go to vote. Mm. The dates were incorrect. Well, Twitter, for example, I think um, this is probably a, a better solution. I mean, they're still they're not going to take it down because, like you said, it's content that's getting a lot of eyeballs. But if there has been a video that's been doctored or manipulated in any way, they're going to mark it and say, you know, this footage has been mm. messed with. Basically, I mean, Facebook not going to do that even if it's like a if it's a full on deep fake. Are they not going to do that? I think with enough public pressure, they will. But this is it's, it's what I said at the beginning that a lie will be halfway around the world while the truth is getting out of bed. Yeah, that the time that it might take them to be able to do that, the damage would have already been done somebody might be dead look at what happened in Myanmar with the genocide that happened there Facebook was a massive massive component to that yeah and this is the scary thing this is where it's like real life and because it's not at our door we don't see it and we don't sort of care that's it let's talk about uh data again Omar I was just wondering if you could put into context the you know the 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 average amounts of data I suppose that we unknowingly leave behind on our websites and stuff every Amazon purchase and how you know what 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 you potentially could glean from me I suppose what what elements of somebody's you know 
personality could you glean from knowing what they leave behind on websites every every login every purchase because this is the you know the level that most of us come in at don't we we mm. you know we log into 4od using our facebook accounts mm. we buy books on amazon we you know so on and so forth um so i suppose two things i could say about this um i recently downloaded my facebook data they had the equivalent of three hundred thousand word documents on me and i think i'm very careful they had a whole section on facial recognition i'd stop that that's a high number isn't it google i downloaded my google data and i knew that was going to be even worse and it was what you can do with that data is manipulate and change and create anything you want to do you can socially engineer as well it is terrifying the amount of data that we do and it's simplicity isn't it but we cannot now get away from facebook you know with instagram whatsapp mm-hmm. like in third world countries people don't really have facebook there but they've got whatsapp you said your the information that google has on you is actually more extensive yet google doesn't seem to get half as much flack in the press as facebook these days I are think, they just as bad i think it's because Facebook are in bed with people who use the data from there to change governments, don't they? And genocide. Yes, the data that Google has is a lot more extensive um, because of Google Maps, because of all the products like Google, like your G Drive, um, Gmail. But Facebook are actually selling it to people who are doing really Mm. bad things with it. So So it's interesting that you actually say that, though, because that is something which is, it's a really good point that, that Google Google had about four times more data than Facebook did of, of mine, but I wouldn't be as scared of mm-hmm. Google as I am of Facebook. Yeah, they, they've got a much friendlier public opinion at the moment. What I was I was just going to touch on is obviously I think it's from 2021 or 2022, um, Google Chrome as well as Firefox and Safari are going to block third-party cookies. I mean, will that do much to make us safer in terms of the there'll, data? There'll be a new innovation. There'll be something else, Sam. That's it. Technology move so quickly there'll be something else and this is why we have to keep becoming aware of changes and keep talking about it it's only when things will be at our door that we'll actually realize what we've done Mm. and so many examples of that across history um Mm. in terms of uh you know prevention being the best type of cure is there anything we can do now as it were i suppose to protect ourselves because you you do have levels in society don't you there are people using the dark web there are people using tour browsers and there are people who seemingly are not um, and and therefore is it possible to kind of undo what's already been done you know take 27 now you know can I reverse kind of all those years of you know internet history and whatever and kind of you know begin to protect my data it will always be somewhere your data any tweets anything your MySpace I mean heaven forbid if someone looked at my MySpace oh god <laughs> what was my MySpace address myspace.com forward slash hairy nipple yeah. I mean that's <laughs> why so I always said you can tell a lot about someone's first email address yeah hairy nipple <laughs> <laughs> Take from that what you want. Um, or it was Captain Omar as well. Yeah, Cap- yeah so anyway, uh, I digress. Um, so the question is, what can you do? Well, I think it's educating the people growing up now. I mean, my nephews, the example I always give, they've got a mobile phone in one hand and a laptop in another hand. They've got access to all this information. They don't actually realise the power and what can happen. Mm. And it's in schools talking about, don't send that image because a lot can happen with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's also, there has to be regulation in the tech industry as well. Facial recognition, for example, companies are sort of toying with the idea, have been toying with the idea of using it, but they know the negative uh, aspects of it. A 
company then called Clearview AI, and this is in America, they then started using facial recognition and scraping information from people's social media. It's being aware of these companies because we've got people who are worse than Cambridge Analytica doing really mm-hmm. bad things now. And the thing is, is if I said to you, hi, I'm a company and the government, can I put security cameras in every single one of your room? Mm-hmm. You'd say no. So mm-hmm. why do we do this now? Yeah. And where we're moving to now? I mean, look, with a phone, if you don't want your phone tracking you, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm in the wire or anything, but you just get a burner phone, don't you? You can't get a burner <laughs> face, can you? It's not face off. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll just put yeah. this face on. But you could <laughs> shave your eyebrows off and that, that would mess up facial recognition. Thinking of Chuck from Better Call Saul who just asked people to leave all their electronics at the door and he's a full-on tinfoil hat kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, that or just shave your eyebrows off. Yeah. <laughs> we've, got, we've got two sort of uh, questions left and two pieces of technology that I'm really keen for us to touch on. The first um, is this, I don't, I, don't, I don't actually have a name for it, this thing that Facebook's come Facebook up with. Facebook neural keyboard, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, the, they're, they're this thing. On. Yeah, which apparently will take like years and years to develop, but they are working on developing it, where basically it types for you as you, you think. Type with your so mind. it reads your thoughts and it writes up what you're thinking, basically, without you having to use a keyboard physically. What do we think of that? Wouldn't you be scared if somebody was vocalizing your thoughts? I'd be oh, petrified. 100%. I'd, be, I'd be petrified. 100%. But I mean, I remember when we first talked about this, and my first reaction was thoughts are not like um like cohesive are they i mean mine certainly aren't you get you get bits and bobs from absolutely everywhere so how Mm. on earth can it take you know a stream of consciousness and make it into a sentence that makes perfect sense because you're right you'll have all sort of other things coming in milkshakes milkshakes mini rolls mini rolls yeah what's for tea what's for tea yeah Yeah. should be working what's for tea yeah is is this a like something to be avoided or is this another example of uh, egotistical Silicon Valley going too far? The latter. Anything that Facebook is doing is, is designed to keep users engaged on their platform uh, or to sell. And something like that. Imagine then if they do develop yeah. that and then they're selling it to people yeah. and they're in control of your thoughts. Very hard for me to see a sort of useful, like mainstream, like uh, sometimes people with technology, like, okay, fair enough, that makes people sense. That's going to help people. with neural diseases. Well, this was it. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's, this is the great, guys this that is they were it. doing We under. innovate things for great reasons, mm. but then somebody takes that and then thinks, how can I use this to control or to make money. I mean, mm. is that worth then like withholding it from the people who do need it? You're not going to stop Facebook. Yeah. The amount of time it takes to catch up from legislation and regulation, you're not going to stop them. And anything that Facebook is uh, Facebook could do, behave. What this about, is the um, issue with regulation though, isn't it? Because you, like, you, you, you said it yourself, you know, governments are behind and that's because we've seen, you know, countless bills, it can take weeks and weeks. So you've got to go for the House laws, you've got to go there, you know, you have committees and whatnot. Who, it, it strikes me more and more that you need another Facebook with a halo to control Facebook That's until it, Facebook we get to that halo. point. But Facebook would buy it then. But Facebook would buy it and then just, <laughs> yeah. That, that's the control they have now. Oh, God. A competitor to Amazon, they'd just buy it out, wouldn't, wouldn't they? I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Amazon. There's another thing that we want to touch on, and that is voice recognition, voice technology. And that's another one that's dominating headlines at the moment. You know, Amazon, Alexa is listening to everything you say. How bad is that? Third parties have now got access to that data. Amazon said that they had access to it so they could work on the data to better understand um, how people interact so they could make the product uh, more efficient. Yeah. It's a great PR line. I mean, but it kind of does, does it not? I mean, that's how voice tech works. Like, the more you speak to it, the more it gets it, the better it is. Do you want everyone to be able to hear what you're doing at home or the conversations I mean, it you're having? It wouldn't be much, I'll be honest, singing in the shower, making But then tea. if you could take your voice and then manipulate 
manipulate it and you start using using that with deep fakes, mm. would you want to be losing control and have anyone create a post of you saying, Boris Johnson is my boyfriend? Absolutely not. Well, what's wrong with Boris? <laughs> Absolutely not. Don't get me started. But like, because Alexa and voice devices are so convenient, do is it... Is it likely that people will be deterred by, oh, they can hear what you're saying? No. Because they love having it in the house. It's very helpful. No. I mean, it's great, isn't it, when you need to find out the weather? I mean, what happened to just opening yeah. the curtain? And she wakes me up every morning. It's, it's This easy. is the, the convenience of it. Yeah. We, we give up all our freedoms because of convenience. Oh, we don't have to click two buttons. It's great. Mm. We don't have to do open the curtain. It's great. We don't realize how much power we are giving to these companies yeah. who, and they've only got one thing that they want to do is make money they're not set up for ethical purposes yeah they're not set up to ensure us as a species evolves and pushes us forward you know it's not like I, I think elon musk is great at what he does and i think he's he he's an advocate of all things good that we can do and trying to create innovative products to help us facebook aren't that amazon aren't yeah. that everything about how they were created they are based their values are based in dishonesty mm. it reminds me of when we were speaking to alex Hearn, who's a tech editor at the guardian and he um made a point which was you know we were able to make all of these services all of these platforms and pieces of technology so seamless mm. and so convenient but maybe it's how quickly and how smoothly things can happen that's the bad thing and introducing points of friction at certain like ethical backstops if you will will probably be a better thing to do with the technologies bring back a little bit of that friction that we've been trying to smooth out so much yeah i mean um when you talk about ethics though that's another that's a complete different conversation because ethics are interchangeable they're malleable mm. one man's ethics another man's morals someone else doesn't really care yeah. i mean that's probably what's making legislation so hard right is no one knows like, who gets to say what's okay and what isn't and for it's, what purpose and why because it's a philosophical quandary mm. but the pretense of it is that it's safety it's helping us but it's not just look at china i mean it's literally black mirror in china mm -hmm. um and people should be petrified because why do people think that can't happen here if then that's a sort that's a good way to control yeah that's a fair point i wonder what well. Like we're guided by, yeah, it is a kind yeah, of, uh, you know, black we're guided dystopia by kind of, coming your way. Yeah, but, but you must. I wonder, you know, to put onto another philosophical question, do you find it kind of? funny, ironic almost, the way we champion innovation so much is, you know, I've, I've noticed it, obviously working in this industry, but, you know, so much over the last five years, we have almost an addiction to innovation, you know, it feels like you're part of the problem, um, you know, say a new iPhone comes out, people will queue for days for a new iPhone. We, I was with saying such a, before, I'm a bit morbidly curious to see how this turns out, I don't want to stop it, because there is that, yeah, it's a little bit addictive, because it might not be better, but it's something new. Mm, I, I feel new. like you the it, you innovation in a way, you know? I've 100% agree with you is this innovation that we really need yeah is does this actually solve any human problems that yeah. we have or is it just i mean we with, can? with apple it doesn't solve any problems for the chinese workers who are taking their own lives mm. but it's all right because they're far away mm. we don't care mm. is it actually doing anything is it worth it yeah Without ending on a really somber note, I just wonder what the... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what the, uh, that ship has sailed. Sorry, folks. <laughs> but it is, you're, you're, you're very right. You know, it's not just a dystopian kind of future. It is a reality. Mm. What is the one piece of advice, I suppose, you would give to people who are listening to this podcast and now petrified? Um, what would you What would you say to do? Is that, you know... Just think. Engage your brain. Do I really need to know what my face is going to look like in 30 years' time? It's going to look like you now, but 30 years older. Do you mm. really need 
need to do that. Where is your data going? Just think. That's it. That, and that's all you can do, unless you're involved in tech, unless you're changing legislation, unless you're yeah creating products to help us. Mm. Just think about your data. Would you want people to know certain information? Who are you giving your information to? Now, the unfortunate thing is you're not going to do that every time you think about clicking a button. No, no. But we, need to, we need to be more aware of what we're doing. And we need to be aware that when a, a form, a pop-up comes up, that what are we actually letting these people do? Mm. Um, and if you, know, you want to do stuff, stop using Google, stop using Facebook. I know it's difficult to. I have to use it for for work purposes and just think carefully about what you're doing solid advice i'd say yeah definitely thank you very much omar very interesting thank Thank you you for having me it's been illuminating oh good word (laughs) word. thank you thank you for listening we really hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please remember to leave us a review on itunes because it really really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week this has been the social minds podcast with myself theo watts Eve Young and produced by Ollie Thompson. 